Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. Hello friend, I know you could be anywhere else right now, so I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. The unsung heroes of America's park systems are the men of the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps. Established by Franklin Delano Roosevelt at the height of the Great Depression, in 1932, American unemployment hit a record high of nearly 25%. That same year, FDR made the CCC a major part of his political platform. And in 1933, the first year of his presidency, the first Civilian Conservation Corps camps were founded. The program was enormously popular with the American public, and Roosevelt was known to visit these camps whenever possible. Virginia, inspiring his forest army by a personal visit, President Roosevelt makes his first tour of the Civilian Conservation Corps camps in the Shenandoah Valley. (laughs) After inspecting Skyland, the Commander-in-Chief takes a seat at the head of the table to eat with the boys. And he enjoys every bite of the plain, wholesome food furnished at the camp. 
It's very good to be here at these Virginia CCC camps. I wish I could see them all over the country. And I hope that all over the country they're in as fine condition as the camps that I've seen today. I wish that I could take a couple of months off from the White House and come down here and live with them because I know I'd get full of health the way they have. The only difference is that they've put on an average of about 12 pounds apiece since they got here, and I'm trying to take off 12 pounds. <laughs> this next clip is from a 1939 press release from the United States Department of the Interior, now available through the National Archives. Employment for hundreds of thousands of young men and war veterans was imperative. Havoc wrought by soil erosion had long since shown the necessity of the immediate restoration, conservation, and further development of the country's natural resources. As one solution for both problems, the organization and work of the Civilian Conservation Corps was undertaken. And in two years, through this unique plan, both problems were well on their way toward solution as great aids to economic recovery. The saving of natural resources was conservation pure and simple. Along with national infrastructure and the national parks, the national state park system benefited enormously. One important phase of the development of these resources was more than that. It was the making of a nationwide system of recreational areas, smaller, more numerous state parks, closer to the people, more easily accessible for their use, supplementing the magnificent national parks. Conservation work in all its many phases is being done in these state park areas from one end of the country to the other. Better facilities for forest firefighting are being provided through the building of truck trails, fire lanes and observation towers, and the stringing of communication lines. Speed is imperative in fighting forest fires, quick discovery, the quick spreading of the alarm, and roads to reach the scene of action. Dead trees and tangled dry undergrowth are being cleared from the forests where necessary to prevent the starting of fires. An aggressive war is being waged on the insects, which slowly but surely are destroying natural beauty in our wide open spaces. Tent caterpillars are a menace to our forest lands, and beautiful meadows and fields are constantly being stripped of their vegetation, unless the hungry grasshoppers are fed poisoned bran. The value of modern tree surgery in saving our forests in special situations is being liberally attested. Planting is another important conservation measure. Seedlings, literally in the millions, are being set out to replace trees ruthlessly destroyed. Shrubbery is being planted on slopes and hillsides to stop soil erosion. More spectacular is the moving of matured trees for landscaping purposes. There's a world of power in this mighty movement, men and machinery, old Dobbin, and even his more picturesque brethren. Today, our national and state parks are in trouble. Overcrowding and underfunding have taken a heavy toll in recent years, and stories of park abuse and deterioration are increasingly common. This will be a perfect time for the return of the CCC. As one article has said, quote, America's national parks face a popularity crisis. From 2010 to 2019, the number of national park visitors spiked from 281 million to 327 million, largely driven by social media, advertising, and increasing foreign tourism. One of the phrases you'll hear repeatedly from conservationists is this idea that we are in danger of, quote, loving our parks to death, and there's really not a better way to say it. 
This kind of surge in visitors has happened before. In the 1920s, when automobile tourism boomed across the country, foot traffic and car traffic began to destroy and diminish these natural areas. And what saved our parks and landscapes at that time? Nothing other than the CCC. It arrived just in time. In the words of one journalist in the 1920s, quote, hundreds of thousands of new visitors, overwhelmed limited aging roads, trails, restrooms, water treatment systems, and visitor facilities. Ironically, relief came during the Great Depression. The New Deal funded massive construction projects in the parks, including campground comfort stations, museums, and other structures. Hundreds of miles of roads and trails opened wild backcountry. When I last spoke with Will and Jim from more than just parks, the subject of the CCC came up as we discussed the charming old lodges that you find in many of the oldest national parks. One of the great things that Jim and I especially love in the national parks are lodges, the beautiful national park lodges that have been built at places like Glacier, places like Yosemite, Yellowstone, Mount Rainier, you name it. This doesn't happen anymore. There are no more lodges being built in national parks period. And it is something where uh, Jim and I are deep conservationists, but I think both of us would like to see that kind of work be done responsibly, where when it was done back in the day, a lot of it was done by Civilian Conservation Corps architects, a program, maybe the greatest conservation program ever in the history of the world, the CCC, a program that Jim and I would love to see come back in full force It would be fantastic to do some sort of a voluntary. They have AmeriCorps, and that's a really great thing. But I think a civilian conservation corps where young people particularly could go in and get, you could get money for college afterwards or different incentives. And of course, the federal government could offer all sorts of incentives for higher education and and things like that. Yeah. And Um, I think the idea of it at the time, it was a depression era program that was started to put kids to work, but also to build up the nation's infrastructure. And so they would go out, they'd go, if you're from Georgia, you might end up in Utah. If you're in Utah, you might end up in New York. So all these kids are exposed to all these different ways of life. It was great for them. Jim and I had a next door neighbor who was in the civilian conservation corps, and he would tell us stories all the time about, I think one of half of one of his fingers got cut off in the civilian conservation corps. And he still said it was the best time of his life and the memories that they made there were priceless but also i think there's a statistic out there and you have to fact check me on this but i think for every one dollar that was spent on the civilian conservation corps the nation got ten dollars back in value and so it was also one of the best investments the country ever made cutting fire roads building different roads building all these beautiful public works projects that many of which are still around today oh most of which yeah. yeah, most of which that's and so I think if we were I think now that you do have a youth climate core, there have been some I think Bill Clinton did some sort of half program on the civilian conservation corps, like trying to redo it. But the scale of it, I think, is all wrong. I think it should be basically an alternative to armed service serving in the armed services. I think yeah. you should have college as an option once you graduate going into the workforce armed services, and also something that betters the planet and our country. 
why not, why not a, a GI bill for the CCC? Do something yeah. like that where people, instead of going into the armed services, which is great, but just also have the choice of maybe going into the CCC. And, you know, and it's, and a, great, it's a great way to, to take pride in your country and get exposed to different areas and, and be able and, to say, I, I helped better my country. It's a great public service. And as we battle wildfires, explosive wildfires in the West, right? it's a fantastic idea. Get these people in there doing the firework that needs to be done, the pre- all the preventative work. At, at a cut rate and you pay them. I'm not saying don't pay them compared to what it would cost. Otherwise, it's a great deal. I asked if there was anyone in Washington currently pushing this agenda. I know that I, I remember in the last election, Pete Buttigieg was something that he was interested in, was doing a public service, CCC type of public service. I don't know if he wanted to make it compulsory or I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember that was something that he had put on his uh, campaign platform, but I haven't heard, frankly, a whole lot of it. And I think Will touched on it. You know, a lot of times there, it's been done kind of, I wouldn't even say partially, but yeah, Yeah, there's been, they'll put a little bit of money into something and and, it, and it's great. It's better than nothing, but it's never the really, scale is all wrong. Yeah. And I think especially for millennials now, I think it is a program that would really speak to millennials. I think millennials are far more conservation minded, far more climate oriented. It's, if that was an option after college, especially like now, for gap college, years. How about, about a time when higher education costs so much? And you could actually have maybe the federal government pays for your higher education if you go and do, and it could be you do two years of the CCC, they'll pay for two years of college or whatever it is. I think that it could be a great solution to a lot of the higher education issues that are in student loan debt. This suggestion of including free education in the CCC experience dates back to the original program where schooling of a different kind was provided to all members. In the functioning of the Civilian Conservation Corps plan, however, there is another and even more interesting form of rehabilitation. Among hundreds of thousands of young men and war veterans enrolled, there have been many unable to read or write. Others whose schooling has been interrupted were found to be slipping in the matter of education and morale. The important job of mentally rehabilitating this extremely valuable cross-section of the manpower of the country has been entrusted to the Office of Education, Department of the Interior. Competent instructors in Conservation Corps camps conduct classes in many of the educational branches. The boys are given the opportunity to go to school just as they might have done years ago. In addition, there are many practical manual training courses intended to prepare the enrollees for happier and more remunerative work when their association with the Corps has ended. As great as all of these educational outcomes would be for all of the men and women involved, What the country would get out of a program like this would be a coast-to-coast renovation of our national parks. As Will and Jim mentioned, many of these parks are still relying on amenities and infrastructure that date back to the time of the press release you just heard from 1939, which is to say it's been way, way too long. And it's just almost a segue point, but that point I made earlier about Every dollar that was put into the CCC, the United States got many fold dollars back. It's the same with public lands in America. 
And that's something that often goes overlooked. People look at these bills on public lands, which we finally got one recently that was very substantial, but it was the first time in a long time and our parks had to become extremely neglected to get to a point where we can say, okay, we can fill the cracks in some places. But for every dollar that goes towards national parks, the amount of money that the country gets back is many fold. And the, uh, the National Parks Conservation Association does some great literature that graphically explains this better than we can. But it's incredible because it really is an investment that pays itself back. And especially just in tourism dollars, look at when a, nas- when a new national park comes into a city or a town or, uh, or an area the explosion that happens in tourism and these are sustainable green dollars they're not like people look at like alaska for example and they say okay what is alaska's greatest resource what's the economy like in alaska and it's tourism it's not oil it's not extraction it is tourism which is renew completely renewable and if you keep these places pristine they will always be yielding dollars across the economy yep yeah, it's fa- it is amazing because land preservation, you do have some people who will say, oh, well, we could be putting that land to use. We could be extracting, whether it's timber, whether it's uh, minerals, whether it's oil or what have you. And those are all things that, that in, in today's world, they do need to go on. We do need to have resources. But it's, I think there's a line that John Muir said. John Muir used to say, nothing dollarable is safe. And that I think he put it really well in that sense. But I think what gets lost on a lot of people is that when you preserve land, that's also dollarable. Yeah. We can preserve land and actually the tourism industry, people wanting to visit there and do recreational activities, it's completely renewable and it returns a lot of money and, and it doesn't damage the land and it still leaves the land in an intact space so that, hey, if there were some emergency, that oil that's under there, it'd still be there or whatever. So yeah, I think a lot of people forget about that. The the figures are out there easily. You can look them up and the outdoor tourism industry, it's a veritable cash cow. But a lot of industries, other industries that compete with that, don't necessarily want you to know about that. In our first episode with Will and Jim, they described American leaders like Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Jimmy Carter, who were willing to risk their political careers on their investments into conservationism and the national parks. Protecting American landscapes was more than a political platform for these presidents. It was a lifelong passion. You get the sense from all of them that if they had to choose between re-election and doing the right thing for the environment, they would have simply gone and found another job. I shared that thought. With Will and Jim. It's so true. And and yeah, I do. I think Will and I often find ourselves longing for a leader like a Roosevelt or a Carter or a FDR or somebody like that who didn't care what the the pundits were going to think. They stood up for what they thought was right. And they, yeah, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, he visits, there's a story, he visits Yosemite when he's the president and he shakes the Secret Service and goes off two nights alone, just him and John Muir. 
and they're out and they're sleeping under the stars and they're they're in the Mariposa Grove of Sequoias and Muir is bending his ear about conservation and and it was just the two of them and he comes back on his horse and they're like where have you been what are they and that kind of stuff yeah you don't see people with that kind of passion anymore for things like that and i think it's it's a shame because uh, we could really use some of that what jim is describing is an almost religious passion about conservation for someone to risk their career on a massive environmental rollout like the ccc they would need to be willing to do that for its own sake they would need to be willing to die on that hill politically speaking in order to push it through. Carter certainly did die on that yeah. hill. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because not since Jimmy Carter, we've done some work on this, and so I'm quoting a friend of Jim and ours, but not since Carter was there a president who made conservation his number one priority. And that is an interesting thought because you're looking at 40-year gap between somebody who said, this is the top, this is it. And if you ask him, his, he'll tell you his greatest achievements were in conservation, were in Alaska. And that is that's something to think about, especially as we move into a climate era. We do need people. But there aren't many people who run on those sort of things now because for whatever reason, it still isn't the thing that gets uh, well, and the, folks and there- to the polls. It's not, and it isn't just about running on those things. It's like we've been saying, it's about the conviction. It, there aren't people with that kind of conviction, that kind of deep-seated sort of religious connection to the outdoors or to conservation, to protecting places like that. It's been more of, oh, that's a plank in my party, so I'll do that. More on that side than it has been on the Carter or the Roosevelt side where it's a fundamental part of who they are and they don't care whether it's part of their party's platform or whether it's going to be politically beneficial to them they're going to do the right thing in that area in conservation regardless of the cost our national and state parks are in a condition of increasing disrepair they're still beautiful of course but overcrowding and underfunding are taking their toll The best place to start, the coast-to-coast renovation that our landscape really deserves, might just be the revival of the Civilian Conservation Corps. Jim and Will have made a great case for it. I want to thank them again for joining us. You can visit their website, morethanjustparks, at morethanjustparks.com. They have articles and videos, and some of the best national park coverage you'll ever find. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.